Hello, and welcome to We Live for Saturday, your favorite college football podcast. I am your co-host, Mike, and with me is your other co-host, John. John, how are you doing this evening? Doing all right. It's uh, it's late in the evening. It's been a long day for us, but, you know, ready to uh, jump into this. We're ready to rock out in some football, huh? That's right. Yeah, Absolutely. dude. Preview so John and I... Oh, go, go ahead. Oh, yeah, just ready to preview week two, man. Yep, absolutely. So John, I thought we would share a little bit about ourselves and what got us into this. I am a lifetime football fan. I was born into it at birth. I'm a third generation Minnesota Golden Gopher fan. I was taught to sing the Minnesota Rouser before I could walk. And I have loved Big Ten football my entire life and college football as a whole, but particularly Big Ten football. I've watched, lived, breathed, you know, well, not lived in the sense that I played it or anything, but I played football growing up, but I definitely was not that caliber of athlete or anything. So, <laughs> John, why don't you talk a little bit about what brought, brings you to this podcast and, you know, what you love about the game? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up loving football as a kid. Uh, you know, I, I was not inundated as deep as you were, um, but I always watched the Gophers um, they were either always on TV or on the radio when, you know, my dad and I were up at the lake. And um, so it was always a part of my life. But honestly, it wasn't until I met you that my fandom you know, jumped up a notch. And uh, and then, you know, I got I got bit with the bug and uh, my my descent or ascent into foot, especially Big Ten football addiction started. But yeah, go for go for fan for. Long, long, long time. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. All right. And the other thing is, let's talk about what this podcast is going to be about. Obviously, we are focused on Big Ten football. You've gotten the that idea already. But we are going to be a little different in from other podcasts in that we do not care about gambling. Nope. So you will hear us cite Vegas lines just to give an idea of how close a game is projected to be. But that's going to be the extent of it because I don't care about gambling. John, do you care about gambling? No, 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 I don't. Not even a little bit. So don't depend on us to win you money, but depend on us if you love football. <laughs> we like we like to think we have have a little bit of insight and uh, you know some decent opinions, and you're more than you're you're more than welcome to uh, you know argue those point with, points with us as well. So. Have at it. Yeah. We love the Big Ten. We love the history and the tradition of the conference. Yeah. That's what really drives us. Yeah. I mean, the the history of this conference is is something that I find. I mean, I'm a huge history buff in general. And so something with the Big Ten, you know, dating back to when it was the uh, Intercollegiate Western Conference, I believe, um, in 1896. The deep cut, John. Yeah, there is no no other conference um, is as old and as historic, you know. So the rivalries go back generations, and so it's just to me, there's there's nothing like it, you know. And and there are other, you know, there's definitely another conference in particular that would like to maybe make an argument against that. But 1932, in the grand scheme of things, you know, as far as college football goes, is really not that long ago. There we go. Love it. Love it. All right. 
let's get into, so now you know a little more about us and what we're kind of focused on in this podcast. Should we get into it, John? Let's do it. All right. Let's preview week two. First game, Friday night, 6 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. The Indiana State Sycamores visit the Indiana Hoosiers. There is no line for this game, and there's no line for this game because they're an FCS team, but also Indiana State got shut out 27-0 last week by Eastern Illinois. Indiana State really struggled on offense in this game, and that is probably an understatement. Yeah, Uh, I mean... They there was five two two uh five turnovers two pick sixes, uh I mean it was it was really ugly man there was not a, a, any point in time where that where the Sycamores had anything going. Yep. By contrast, Indiana the Hoosiers lost twenty three to three to the Ohio State Buckeyes last week. It was sort of a good news bad news situation. The uh, the bad news was the Indiana offense could not do a single thing. They couldn't move the ball at all. Had a paltry 153 yards for the game. The good news is the Indiana defense, despite the fact they got no help from the offense, really held the Buckeyes in check mm-hmm. and held the, you know the Ohio State, a team that we're used to scoring in the 40s, pretty much all the or better, pretty much all the time. You know they held them to 23 points, and that was a pretty impressive showing. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the thing that I, I I've what I want to see this week because of that that defense that that defensive stand against uh, Ohio State and keeping them at that lo- that low of a score. Obviously, I'm looking to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll be even more dominant this week. But I want to see that offense, you know, start putting something together. And this is absolutely the time to figure things out. So take full advantage. Yeah, I agree. And I think first and foremost, we need to see Indiana run the ball. Yeah. They brought in top tier O-line coach Bob Bostead in the offseason. And Bob Bostead, we know if there's anyone who can get a running game going, it is that man. So now we need to see, you know, that hire start to come to fruition a little bit on the gridiron. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think it's it's a chance for them to try to establish a running game, you know, get, get their quarterback in sync. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a scrimmage. It's a glorified scrimmage that, that they just have an ability to just put something together and, and maybe figure out what, what their identity is going to be on offense. As of right now, there was, there was no sign of that against Ohio state. Not that that's an easy thing to do. Absolutely. And you referenced their quarterback and I'd say they still have, you know, Brendan Soresby and Taven Jackson, you know, I think they should both get a lot of time in this game, no matter yeah. who starts, because they should the you know, the Hoosiers should be up by enough that both can play a lot. And I really think they should play them both early in the game mm-hmm. and see who plays better. And because I, I think Indiana would really do themselves a favor if they picked a quarterback and built an offense around that guy's skill set instead of trying to play two guys. Yeah, but to be honest, there's not a lot to really go on this game i'm expecting a dominant performance by indiana if not um i mean there is there are no words um tom allen better be looking for another job uh, you know on sunday so yeah no i mean i think indiana should roll in this one i think we're pretty confident that the hoosiers will do what it takes to get a big win um last thing i'll say is i'd really like to see jalen lucas get back on track 
He only had 12 touches last week, which I think as his, as your, you know, he's their best player. I think he's got to get the ball, you know, 15, 20 plus times because yeah. he's too important to just, you know, give some touches. Yep. Yeah. Well, looking forward to it. Should be a blowout. Yeah. My prediction is 41 nothing Hoosiers. Wow. I think. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, I guess I'm being a little bit more conservative, yet uh, Sycamore score is probably about the same. Uh, 35. So, so pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, a little less, but I think they're just going to maybe try to, like I said, establish that run game. So the score may not be as high, but yep. yeah. Either way, dominant win is my my expectation. Awesome. All right, let's move on to the other Friday night game. The Illinois Illini go to visit the Kansas Jayhawks. This game is at 6.30 p.m. Friday on ESPN2. I know, dude, I am so excited for this game. How pumped are you from? Dude, this is going to be huge. And uh, Jalen Daniels, right? He's going to be back. He'll be back is what I heard. He's projected to be back, yeah. Yeah. I think Ryan Burns said that he that there is there was something official that that he is coming back or maybe yeah. it's not official official but yeah if he's back on the field I mean either way I mean even the even the backup looked good so I was gonna say the backup Jason Bean he could start at a lot of Power Five schools absolutely yeah yeah I think with 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 this one I mean you know the the QB either one is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, uh, Bean was definitely more than capable. Um, you know, their passing game is good, you know, but their running game, man, looks even better yeah. to me, you know, and you know, that Neil has amazing vision. He's really patient. He's just a dynamic back and high junior, you know, he's, he's definitely more of the power back, but yeah, he looks good too. You know, this is going to be a tough, tough out for Illinois. Oh, but, I agree. I mean, I forgot to mention the line, but the line is Kansas negative three. So yeah. it is projected to be a very close field. I mean, that means if it was on a neutral field, it would be a, it would be projected as a toss up. Absolutely. And it very well could. I'm looking at it as such. You know, I, mm-hmm. the thing that I do believe in and I know Lance Leopold is he's a great coach. And but you're also facing off against, you know, Brett Bielema. And he is notorious of, you know, when after a game that may be disappointing, of, you know, getting his players in gear and, and showing up big time. And, and I'm, I still don't, I don't expect a blowout from either team, but I really don't think I could pick anyone, either one at this point in time as, as a favorite other than the home team, but barely. Yeah. Here's what I'll say. Illinois is supposed to have the best D line in the country. Yeah. I say supposed to have because last week they gave up over 400 yards to Toledo on nearly four and a half yards of carry. Yep. And, and that's, that's going to be tough. That's not good enough. No. And especially against running backs like Neil and Highshaw. I just, that's going to be yep. really tough. It's time for Johnny Newton and the boys to rally and show up because they, I, it did not seem like they were given their best effort last week. Let's be honest. I agree. Yeah. And Kansas, that offense is like you said, it's electric. They brought back. Remember Kansas brings back more offensive production than just about any other team in college football. So like you said, they're extremely dangerous. Yeah. On the offense, they are, you know, defensively, 
it's a little, it was a little hard to tell, you know, considering they're playing Missouri state, it's, it's not a, a great test for, for their offense. So of mm-hmm. course they're going to look pretty good, but, but their, their defense did give up some plays in the interior, um, you know, so that if we'll see how Illinois run game shows up um, and they look a little slow at times, but you know, they came up with some, some interceptions and, I think, you know, the game was definitely close for a little while, but the depth of talent pulled away at the end against Missouri State. So they look pretty good. Absolutely. All right, John, do you have a pick in this game? I want to go with Illinois because I just, I mean, I'm still suffering from uh, trauma from Bielema of all those years of (laughs) him as a Gopher fan, and I just don't dare bet against him. So, I think he could, I think he'll have his guys showing up this week. I just, he just, he's that kind of a coach. Um, he refuses to get embarrassed more than once. And I, I can see him having his guys ready. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be something like Illinois 24, Kansas 21. Um, that might be on the low side. It's possible. There's more points than this, but I just have a feeling that the Illinois defense is going to, is, you know, my guess is they know they didn't meet expectations last week, and I feel like they're going to come out and give a lot better effort this week. I agree. I my yeah, my score prediction is about the same. It, it's I don't think it's going to be super high scoring, um, but it'll be a little bit of a defensive battle. Uh, you know, running the ball uh, probably a lot more, but we'll see what. I'm I'm looking forward to see what Illinois quarterback does, man. You know, I think yeah. he, he's going to be the X factor, and if he shows out, you know. If they can't contain him, you know, we'll see. We'll see. He's got some mobility to him, too. He's fast. Like, yeah, not expected. He looks no. kind of like a little scrawny guy. Yeah. And I did. I I was taken aback, dude. I did not see that coming. Yeah, he's a he's a jock. He can play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm excited. So, All fun. right. Now let's move to our Saturday slate. We've got the Youngstown State Penguins are visiting the horseshoe to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes. This is an 11 a.m. game on BTN, and there is no line on this game. Uh, last week, Youngstown defeated Valparaiso 52-10. to The Penguins depended on their rushing game to carry the day to the tune of over 300 yards. And Ohio State, by contrast, allowed just 150 roughly total yards to Indiana last week. So, John, how do you? What are your thoughts on this game? Oh man, Youngstown State and Ohio, the Penguins, man. Uh, it's a, uh, I mean, it's a it, great it, mascot, it, is what it, it is. It is a pretty cool mascot, you know. Yeah. And Penguin? I, I, there are no other penguins. There are no other penguins, and I've been to Youngstown more than once. And sure, eh, it's a cute little town, cute little college town. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the you know. I, I mean, I, I'm expecting absolutely an Ohio State just to annihilate this opponent. Yeah. Um, but what I saw, you know, just from bits and pieces of film that I could find, it's, you know, the running back, you know, he, again, this is, you know, you're taking the taking the opponent into consideration, but the running back looked okay. You know, they had some solid underneath passing. Um, you know, their defense, there's had some holes, obviously, in the secondary, which is going to be, I mean, I expect just fireworks because of that. Um, you know, they they did, but they did come up with a block punt, and uh, and they forced they forced a couple fumbles, and you know, it's, so it's 
they looked okay for them against their previous opponent. But like I said, there's not a lot to see. And, but now you're going against one of the top teams in the country. And it, I expect a slaughter pretty much. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, Youngstown state, they're not going to meaningfully challenge the Buckeyes in any way. So I want to see the offense play better. I want to see Marvin Harrison more imbo- involved. Yeah. And I want to know, are we going to see Devin Brown this week in a real way? Is he going to get a shot? Because is this a QB competition or not? You know, yeah. right now I'm leaning towards it being Kyle McCord's job. Um, but if Ryan Day plays Devin Brown more this week, then maybe maybe it's still a competition. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be interested to see that, too. I'll be watching that for sure. You know, I know I've heard some other people talk about and make a good point about you know, how CJ Stroud st- uh, started out a little slow, you know, when he played, when he started out against Minnesota. Um, and he looked a little rough around the edges, too. Probably not as rough as Kyle McCord, but he did in some instances. Uh, this is, again, uh, you know, get right game. Um, if there's yep. any opponent that he's going to be able to do that against, this is it. So, he, you know, I think it's definitely if you're going to go with someone, you're going to want to figure that out here now. And and allow them to eventually just get into a rhythm and, and get the feel of that offense so they can really get it humming before they get to conference play. Especially yeah. well, before Notre Dame. I agree. And I don't know what the score is going to be. I just know Ohio State's going to score a lot of points, and I expect Youngstown to score few to none. Yes. If they can squeak a field goal in there, I will be impressed. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, let's move on to our next game. We've got the Delaware Blue Hens Ooh-ooh. visiting the Penn State Nittany Lions at 11 a.m. Saturday on Peacock. There is no line for this game. Last week, Delaware defeated Stony Brook 37-13. to The Hens had over 400 yards passing, but just 145 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. So Delaware is a team that wants to sling the rock all over the yard if they can by contrast penn state looked like the best team in the big 10 last week with their 38 15 drubbing of west virginia they ran it well they threw it well they played great defense so this week kind of looking for more of the same john what are you looking at in this game i mean i think it's going to be similar to the ohio state game i i i expect basic you know uh, all of the backups at Penn state to see some time on the field during this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think the blue hens are going to have a shot in hell to, to make anything happen against Penn state. Like you said last week, um, they looked in my opinion, the most complete, uh, highly functional team in all of the big 10 on both sides of the ball. And I just, you know, it's, it's unfortunate for Delaware. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think we see Penn State run the ball a lot in this game. I think they'll I think they'll the the passing fireworks will come early and then they'll run the ball kind of James Franklin style when he's got a big lead. I think Trey Potts is probably going to see some carries. Yes, yes, Trey Potts, their third string running back should see should see a fair amount of carries as should all the third second and third stringers for the Nittany Lions. So yeah, this one should be over by half. I've got it Penn State 52, Delaware 10. I'm thinking maybe against the third stringers, maybe Delaware puts together a touchdown drive. Yeah, I, I'm I'm expecting a pretty high scoring game as well. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe they'll they'll get ten points um, with a couple lucky breaks, you know. But 
I, I'm I'm really expecting just another slaughter here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to a game that should actually be a game. We've got the Nebraska Cornhuskers visiting Boulder to take on the Colorado Buffaloes. This is 11 a.m. on Fox. It's the Fox Big Noon Saturday game of the week. Line is Colorado negative three. This is the renewal of an old rivalry. These programs absolutely hate each other. The Huskers lead the series 49-20 and uh, they have, uh, 49 wins, 20 losses, and two ties. Although I believe Colorado won the last two games in the series. Okay. I'm not uh, sure. And that was in 18 and 19. Uh, okay. The fights on Twitter have been intense. I can yeah. confirm that. <laughs> it has been mean-spirited and pretty honestly... I, I didn't know there was I di- I knew that Nebraska and Colorado were rivals. I'm not sure I realized the extent of the hate between the two programs before this week. No, I I, I again I I too I knew they were rivals, but I didn't understand the depth of this. And 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 it's so it's funny because you know I think you and I have gotten a little used to hearing you know Nebraska fans hate on Iowa, Minnesota mainly Iowa and Minnesota um, and, mm-hmm. and chirp as, as, uh, as often as they possibly can. Um, but this is on another level. And, and I've definitely, I've heard, uh, you know, I think um, there's like stories about like Colorado fans throwing, throwing things at the players on the field, like, like water balloons full of pee. Um, and like, like crazy stuff, which is just insane. So that is nutty. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know it got like that um, up in Boulder, but apparently, apparently, we'll so we'll see. I'll, I'll be interested. But yeah, man, this game is going to be. It's obviously it's got a lot of hype, and we all know why. And, I mean, it's uh, a real great contrast in styles. Like you look oh, at yeah. last week, so Shadour Sanders threw for over 500 yards passing in Colorado's yeah. upset upstart win over TCU. But at the same time, Colorado couldn't run the ball at all to the mm-hmm. tune of 1.6 yards per carry, which is that's rough. It's and real. On rough. the other side, you've got Nebraska, which ran the ball really effectively last week at times against Minnesota, but were terrible throwing the ball. And Jeff Sims threw three picks. So, you know, it's it's a real contrast in styles because you got to think that Nebraska is going to want to show up, shorten the game lean on Colorado, try to run, try to pound the ball and Colorado is going to show up and want to go, you know, pretty quick and throw it all over the yard. And it's like, when you get that big a contrast in styles, you know, something's got to give. Yeah. And I know as, as a Minnesota fan, you know, I, I have my opinions about Nebraska and my, you know, my, my, uh, I can't say I'd be sad if they lost, <laughs> but, but let me put it this way. I also am not a huge fan of all of the, what I feel the overhype around Colorado and Deion Sanders and uh, not to say there, you know, there isn't some, you know, justification for it, but like, you know, I think it's going to be pretty brutal. I think it's going to be interesting because there's going to be some major holes on both sides of the ball. Like you said, like, I mean, cause, cause Sanders, Shadir Sanders is, I mean, he's got, 
he throws a beautiful ball. He's got poise. I mean, he can pick up chunk plays left and right running. You know, he's got running back screens to Edwards that worked really well. The run game isn't impressive though. You know, they're small. They're, you know, they're yep. definitely going to get dominated in some ways just from sheer size and strength by Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be no, I expect Nebraska to basically, t- again, just like they did to Minnesota, take away the running game, force Shader Sanders to throw the ball. But I do think that Nebraska's secondary is better than TCU's and has the ability to possibly shut that down. It's I think what Colorado is probably going to want to go with is time is tempo. And Nebraska is probably just going to want to run that ball as hard and as often as they possibly can and wear down that Colorado defense. Yeah, I think the more Nebraska has the ball, the longer Nebraska has the ball, the longer their drives are, the more they can control the clock, the better a chance they'll have as the game goes on. And also that'll give them a chance to keep Colorado out of a rhythm because, I mean, Colorado, we saw when they get into a rhythm, they can be absolutely electric offensively. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Travis Hunter was really the star last week. Oh, my God. At wide receiver and cornerback, look, Played 122 snaps. Iron Man. Had an interception, was out there catching passes everywhere. That guy, I mean, he's something else. He's a freak. Yeah, he's that guy is an absolute freak and ton of fun to watch. Um, but I think, yeah, man, I mean, I, it's going to come down to, like you said, who who controls the ball and and keeps that tempo of the game whether they want to slow it down or you know like Nebraska or they want to or they want to uh, make it you know quicken it quicken the pace with Colorado um but I think Nebraska can win this I do think they have a shot um contrary to what I think the popular belief is as of right now with all the hype surrounding Colorado but it's going to be tough man and honestly the more you can limit Sims from passing the ball, the better. Um, I know Nebraska fans aren't going to want to hear that, but yeah, yeah man. I mean, be, I'm if I'm Nebraska, I'm showing up and trying to pound the ball, and I'm saving my pass plays for second and third and long. Yes, and I am running the ball almost every other down because if Nebraska is going to win this game, it's going to be because they won the game up front. Yep. And if they win up front, it's going to be because they had the ball long enough to wear down Colorado's defense. Because Colorado's defense is not any good. No. They got torched by a TCU team that is a shadow of what it was, you know, obviously last year. So yeah. Nebraska has their chances, but they have to win up front. They have to really show up and be able to run the ball, I think, from the jump. Um, yeah. here's, here's a stat for you. The Colorado defense did not have a single tackle for loss last week, despite all those snaps. Not a single tackle for loss. To me, that says that Nebraska should be able to pound the ball. Absolutely. I, they're going to be able to pound the ball. I mean, that D-line looked really soft up the middle. Um, I, I, I think it's inevitably going to going to give. You know, there it may be a little bit close in the beginning. There may be some fireworks. But come halfway through the third quarter, I think it's Nebraska is just going to their size, like I said, and the strength that they've got to work with is just going to overwhelm Colorado at the end of it. Yeah, I think so, too. I think games I think Colorado is going to score will score points early. I think here's the key. Nebraska has to stay in the game early. 
right? If Nebraska mm-hmm. can make it to halftime and be in the game, then I like their chances a lot. Yeah. This, where Nebraska is going to get into trouble is if, if Jeff Sims turns the ball over and Colorado gets up two or three scores in the first half and then they're fighting from behind and that's that, then they're in a negative game script and then they can't just run the ball. Yep. So, um, I think it's going to be really important for Nebraska to stay in that game early in the game. I don't, John, I have a really hard time picking this game. I feel like I have no idea. I feel like this game could go either way and there's nothing that could surprise me. I think either team could, it, it could go into overtime or either team could win by two scores and it wouldn't shock me. No, I agree, man. And it's, it's about, it's going to be, it's, I can see this coming down to turnovers. Um, yeah. Whoever happens to capitalize on that, whether it's fumbles or interceptions, you know, again, why Sims needs to do everything in his power to protect that ball. Um, so yeah, it's, it's tough, dude. It really is. It could be real close. It could be a shootout, but it's, I think it's going to come down to to attrition at the end of it. Yeah, I am with you. All right. So we are, John and I are both too cowardly to call that game. No, we're not too cowardly. We're both just not sure. And we're going to be real with you. We're not going to pretend like we know every time we're not sure. We're both not sure, not sure about this game. And I just, I for one can't wait to watch it. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really exciting and uh, it'll be really cool, man. Yeah. Just two totally different styles. Awesome. All right. Let's move on to our last 11 a.m. game. This is on ESPN two. It's Purdue at Virginia Tech. The line is Virginia Tech negative three, which is we've got another game, which if it was on a neutral field, it would be a toss up. Vatek defeated Old Dominion 36 to 17 last week. They threw the ball well, but struggled to run the ball at just two and a half yards per carry. Um, and Virginia tech has been down for several years in a row. Their QB is pretty good. He's a senior grant Wells, but they are relying on, uh, transfers at the wide receiver position. Um, John, how are you seeing this game? Well, I was not impressed with Virginia tech. Um, yes, Wells was, Wells is good. He's, he's, he's not very mobile, but he's got a, he throws a beautiful ball. If he's given time in the pocket. Um, he's incredibly accurate. Uh, it's, you know, the passing game is definitely their strength, but the running game virtually didn't seem to exist in, in a lot of ways. So, and like defensively, there's a lot of holes in it. It looked kind of disorganized. Uh, yep. they allowed old dominion to run a lot of, you know, a lot of outside zone and, and they were able to gash them on some pretty long runs. You know, the secondary is suspect. Uh, they're susceptible to a lot of, uh, like read options. Um, and you know, they, they were, uh, but you know, I, uh, they did force a few fumbles though. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Okay. Um, just checking my notes. Uh, but yeah, overall, man, not very impressed. Very average effort against an inferior team. Uh, I think Purdue secondary will be tested against this yep. uh, against Wells, but absolutely, Fatek's uh, running game is non-existent. Like I said, and their defense doesn't look great either. Maccabee, I think, you know, this should be a, a chance for Purdue. You know, Maccabee to actually get establish that running game, and I think he should be able to run pretty well against this D line. Yeah, I think, yeah, they need Maccabee to show up and have a good game. They need another big game from Hudson Card, who was great last week. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing, pretty you can say. The skill position players looked really good. Even though Je- Jeff Brom is gone, the skill position players still played at a Jeff Brom level last week. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but the defense was not a Ryan Walters defense. And I think that's going to be a work in progress. So I do think Virginia tech is going to score some points in this one. I think they will, but I think, I think Walters is going to have them looking a little bit tighter this week. I, sure. I expect that from him. Yeah. Awesome. Ready to pick it? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I have got the Purdue Boilermakers at uh, 28 and the Virginia Tech Hokies 24. Okay. I have uh, the Purdue Boilermakers also at 28. Oh, interesting. But I, I have Virginia Tech I, at 20. 20. All right. Yeah. I think they're going to, I think. Purdue is going to figure some things out defensively and hold them to a little bit, you know, that their score is going to just be a little shy of, of 21. Yeah. All right. So we both got a one score game and all right, let's move on to the next one. We're going to two We've got the UNLV rebels at the Michigan Wolverines. It's, as I said, 2.30 on CBS. The line is Michigan, negative 36 and a half. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is still not coaching this game. They are splitting the head coaching responsibilities by halves. So Jay Harbaugh has the first half, and Michigan legendary running back Mike Hart has the second half. And on the other side, UNLV beat the something called the Brian Bulldogs 44 to 14 last week. I would like to see Michigan run the ball better this week after struggling last week. That's the first yeah. thing I want to see, John. What are you what are you looking at in this game? Yeah, dude, uh same, you know. Uh what I saw with UNLV, you know, their running game was pretty much the entire uh, the entirety of their highlights. Um, you know, I think their return game looks pretty good too. Uh their defense what I have in my notes here is three question marks. Not entirely sure what to think of that. It, again, like they're looking at their opponent, hard yeah. to tell. But yeah, Michigan is going to hand, handle this no problem. Uh, I think again, you know, kind of like we've talked about, which seems to be a trend with some of these teams. His this is a chance for them to just kind of work on some things, uh, get their running game going again, get Blake Corum comfortable, feeling a little bit safer. Um, and getting that O-line to maybe click a little bit more. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's just, it should be pretty easy, easy going for Michigan. Yeah. I think that it may not be intentional, but the fact that Mike Hart is coaching the second half makes me think that by the second half, Michigan will be strictly running the ball. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. All <laughs> right. I've got the Michigan Wolverines 41. UNLV Rebels three. Uh yeah, I've got I've got Michigan forty one and God, I don't even know if UNLV is gonna get three points, but for some reason I've just got I've I'm gonna say six actually. For some reason six. I think they'll just sneak one in at the end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right on. All right, let's move on to what should be, what is always every year just about a great game. We've got the Iowa Hawkeyes going to visit uh, their in-state rivals, the Iowa State Cyclones. This game is at 2.30 p.m. on Fox. The line is Iowa negative four. Iowa has largely dominated this series, but Iowa State won last year. 
and Iowa State beat UNI 30 to 9 last week. UNI, however, had more yards than Iowa State in this game with 279 to just 250 for the Cyclones. So my first question is, will Iowa State be able to move the ball against this Iowa defense? Sean, what do you think? I think I think they it's going to be real tough. I think they there's going to be some some flashes. Um, you know, their freshman QB looks pretty good. Um, you know, they're going to their running backs aren't terrible. Um, you know, one of them is a freaking beast. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have his name up here, but you know, their freshman their freshman QB, he's mobile, he's got a quick release, you know, he he doesn't mind, you know, getting in the mix and, you know, but what I saw was like mostly short passes. Yeah. Not a lot of shots downfield. Um uh but, you know, Beck Beck looks really good. Um defensively, uh, there was a pick six early on and then another another interception in the second quarter. But the secondary will be, you know, a lot more challenging, I assume, than Utah State was for Iowa. Right. Um, I think Iowa's going to definitely have to establish a running game. They're, they're going to really have to figure that out. Um, and I think Iowa State's D-line does look a little soft, especially up the middle. You know, there was a ton of missed tackles on from Iowa State. Uh, but their edge, you know, they were, their edge rush was, was okay. You know, they, they seem to get some solid pressure on the QB, you know, pretty often. So I think I was going to be facing a better defense than, than the Aggies last week. Um, but I still think that I was just the more talented team probably should come out with a win at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's, you know, and Iowa state is a little shorthanded still from that whole debacle. Yep. So that I think that comes into play. But as you even though, as you said, the backup QB did look did look pretty good. Um, I mean, I really think this game comes down to which team improves in the running game the most between game one and game two. Yep. Because both these coaches want to establish the run and run the ball. These passing attacks, neither one of them. I mean, Iowa had some good moments early in the game, but it wasn't consistent by any means last week. So. I want to know, you know, I want to know which team's going to be able to run the ball. And I think that team's going to win. And, oh, go on. No, and I, and I got to, yeah, I mean, run the ball because we got to see this, this, this experienced offensive line do what we were told they were going to do. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, I think this week they get it done. So I have the Iowa Hawkeyes 20, the Iowa State Cyclones 10. I have the Iowa Hawkeyes 24 and the Iowa State Cyclones 10. Awesome. So you have, yeah, so we're confident that Iowa's going to get it back on track this week. Now, and, but as you said, caveat, if they don't get it on track this week, then we'll have some questions for sure. Absolutely. But, but I we're think pretty, that goes for anyone this week from what I, oh yeah, about, everybody, not much. just, not just picking on the Hawkeyes, not, yeah. not just picking on the Hawkeyes. I promise. Yeah. We're talking about everybody out there. All right. <laughs> let's move on to the next game. We have, it's another 230 game. This one's on the Big Ten Network. We've got the Richmond Spiders visiting the Michigan State Spartans. We've got some really eclectic team names this week. I kind of yeah. like it. We got some cool mascots going on here. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, there is no line on this game. Richmond lost 17-10 to Morgan State last week. Um, Sparty won big last week. Obviously they had a game 
as we covered that was close in the first half and they pulled away in the second half. Noah Kim really showed some good stuff at QB. Um, I think this is going to be the kind of game. I'll just say it right off the top where Sparty should be able to name their score. What do you think? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, you know, Noah Kim is going to do whatever he wants to do. I think they're going to, my assumption is they're really going to just work on that run game some more, which I don't think is going to be any problem. Um, I expect Carter to go, you know, well over a hundred yards. And I think Noah Kim is just basically going to practice, you know, how many targets can I, can I, can I get to this, this week? That's what I think he's going to do is just throw it all around and just, uh, you know, test some new things out. I, I don't think this is going to be any kind of contest. And on that theme, my big question is who steps up at, at wide receiver besides Trey Mosley? Who's who's going to be that the those guys who are, they can count on outside of Mosley? And will they finally get Malik Carr at tight end going this week? You know, we know Malik Carr is a physical freak. Mm-hmm. I want to see him produce on the field. I think one thing we've noticed sometimes is these Big Ten coaches, they forget that they have a really great tight end sometimes. There are those coaches <laughs> who do that. Yeah, yeah. One in particular I'm thinking of. Uh, but yes, that's a thing. Unless you're at Iowa for some reason. Like that's. Yeah. <laughs> then it's kind of guaranteed. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I want to see, I want to see that Sparty can both run and pass efficiently. I'm saying they do. I think Sparty rolls. I've got uh, Michigan State 41, Richmond 3. I've got. I've got Michigan, Michigan State, forty-five, Richmond, three. All right. Next up, got another two thirty game. We've got UTEP at Northwestern. This is on the Big Ten Network. The line is UTEP by one and a half. And I just have to say off the bat, it's really rough that Northwestern is a home dog, despite the fact. Um, that they're playing a you know a group of five team. This is yeah this this game again. I feel I feel bad for Northwestern. Um, I don't. I this by all rights shouldn't be some kind of toss up. Um, but I think it is in a way. Yeah. Um, not that UTEP looked good by any means. They did not. Um, I, you know their quarterback. You know, he's, he's got a, he's got a big arm, um, but he makes terrible decisions and his receivers are definitely, they're not, not any help. Right. Uh, you know, their offensive line from what I saw has trouble maintaining the pocket for the QB. Um, and their running game was just not impressive against Jackson state. You know, it was more reliable than their passing game though. And that's, yeah. that doesn't say a lot. I mean, UTEP wants to rely on its running game. It's just a matter of whether, I mean, they're going to, they're going to depend on it. It's just a matter of whether it's going to be there for them or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the flip side, what can Northwestern do? Where are the playmakers? You know, I think they need to get Cam Porter going in the running game. And also like Evan Hull last year, I think they need to throw the ball to Cam Porter too. They need to really, he's an, he's a legitimate weapon and you know, Northwestern doesn't have a lot of them. They have to, you know, they have to be creative and get Cam Porter going as much as they possibly can. No, I agree. I agree. And they got, yeah, absolutely. They need to find a way for him to get outside and, and utilize that speed. I mean, if he's get if they can get him going, he's, he's very dangerous, but yeah, it's, I do think that they would have an opportunity though this week to maybe have some success, run it up the middle a little bit more. 
um, just due to the lack of skill and talent on the other side of the ball. Uh, you know, because I mean, the UTEP's defense was getting pushed around some at times by Jackson State. And it did look like, not that, uh, I don't know if Northwestern really has a, a mobile quarterback, but they were, they looked pretty susceptible to the option. But, you know, that's that's all I could tell. And, and then it was hard to tell, too, on the on defensively how good UTEP secondary was because Jackson State just didn't throw the ball much. Right. All right. Yeah, we just we just need to see Northwestern do something this week. We got to see them dig deep. This has got to be a bit. I'm sure this is a big game for them. I'm sure emotions are going to be running high. I just hope that they can find a way to make something happen. Well, yeah, that that not not being favored at home, man, has to feel like a slap in the face, you know, against this team. I would be absolutely motivated if nothing else, you know, to just go out there and improve, prove it to the, prove it to everybody that at least you can put some kind of functional team together on that field. Yep, exactly. So I'll be honest. I don't know how much of this is my head and how much is my heart, but I have Northwestern 14 UTEP 13. Okay. I've got, I've also got Northwestern fourteen, but i I think their I think their defense holds them to seven points. Seven points. Just a touchdown. I think All just right. a touchdown. So we both got Northwestern winning. Mm-hmm. All right, Wildcats, we're with you. Do it. Go, go out I there. Do it. We believe. All right. Next up, we'll move to six thirty. We've got the Wisconsin Badgers going to Pullman to visit the Washington State Cougars. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on ABC. The line is Wisconsin, negative six. Wazoo defeated Wisconsin last year, 17-14, which helped lead to Paul Chris firing, which, of course, ultimately led them to Luke Fickle. So I imagine the returning Wisconsin players have revenge on their mind. Um, on the flip side, Cam Ward is a good QB for Wazoo. He's a solid athlete, a real kind of dual threat sort of guy. Um, Wazoo has no conference future now that the Pac-12 is ending. They have no idea where they're going to be playing next year, and they have no day to live for but today. So (laughs) in that sense, I feel like psychologically, I don't know if that's an advantage or a disadvantage, but I could see that going either way. Yeah, I, I I think it's if you don't have what else you got to lose, man, you know, yeah. play loose and have fun and things can happen. And from what I saw, I understand this is Colorado State, but Cam Ward was having a good time. Yeah. And he cannot. Oh, my gosh, dude. I mean, he is incredibly talented. Yeah, he's super mobile. And his ability to improvise outside the pocket is pretty amazing and it's easy for him you can tell and he makes smart decisions he makes really smart smart decisions and and they do a good job moving the pocket for him too oh absolutely yeah and making it so that he can get into those spots where he can be really effective yeah and he was throwing it all over the field too you know he had a ton of targets and there's there seems to be a lot of speed on that team yeah and you know i i understand wisconsin is looking to you know, for some revenge and they, they've got a lot of prove a lot to prove as well. Um, but I just don't think, I, I think, you know, the Cougars just have 
they seem to have things together a lot more than Wisconsin does right now. And I think, I think their, their defense, the Cougars defense is going to be dangerous uh, because of Tanner Mordecai, who I think is just susceptible to making some poor choices sometimes. And I think some of those interceptions could end up being pick sixes. And unless, you know, he has an outstanding game and changes, you know, improves a lot from last week, which is possible. Um, I don't know, but then again, Wisconsin still, does, they still have, you know, Allen and Malusi. So that, yeah. they got a lot going for him too. I mean, the thing with Tanner Mordecai is that he has a history of turning the ball over in important games. And mm-hmm. until he proves that he's not going to do that, that's going to be the, that's going to be the knock on him. And so he has a great opportunity, I think this week to show, um, what he can really do. Awesome. All right. I would like to see Wisconsin do better defensively this week. Buffalo had a lot of success, particularly in the first half. Yeah. And they were close to scoring more points than they actually did. So I want to see Wisconsin. I want to see Tanner Mordecai protect the ball better. And I want to see Wisconsin come out of the gates a little faster defensively. Yeah, I think I think Wisconsin is going to have to come out fast offensively as well. They're going to have to score um, quick and fat uh, and make sure that they're they're they don't let up at any point in time. But I do think their defense really has to step up. They're going to have their hands full, man. There's a lot of weapons yeah. on the team. Cam Ward is a, is a freak, and I think it's going to be really tough for them. And this will be a, the real test. And I think this is really going to let you know how much uh, Jim Leonard and his effect on that team, like how big it really was, because this this is going to be tough. Yeah, we'll find out if they miss Jim Leonard this week for sure. I think there's no question about that. Um, I th- I personally think Wisconsin's going to lean on the running game this week, especially oh, yeah. if they can get out to a lead, yeah. you know, considering they're on the road and all that kind of stuff. I think if they can get ahead, they're going to lean on Malusi and Allen. Um, and if they don't, then it'll be up to Tanner Mordecai and we'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm really excited for this game, John. I am too. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I think this is also another one that could be very close. Yeah. I should be. Yeah, I think it should be. Um, it's again, two totally different styles of offense, even though Wisconsin, you know, is a quote unquote air raid. Um, as we've now seen, nothing has really changed though. Uh, and nor should it. I mean, the formations um, have changed. The play, yes. call, the play calling is similar, but the formations are different. They're True. spreading people out. It's different than than stacking the box. That's that part is that, a little different. That is true. That is true. Uh, but yeah, man. I mean, like they 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 got to just focus on their run game. Do what they do well. Play to their strengths. Um, you know, Allen and Malusi will open up that passing game for them. And, you know, as we've seen before, you know, I, I assume that they'll, you know, they'll be the bulk of that offense. And hopefully, you know, then for them, Mordecai will be able to to have some open open receivers down the field from time to time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I have this game. I've got Wisconsin 27, Wazoo 20. I've got Wisconsin pulling off the victory. John, what do you what do you have? I've got Wazoo 24, Wisconsin 21. All right. Okay. So we've got this is our first, I think this is our first uh, different outcome so far, right? 
I, yeah, I, something's just telling me, man. Uh, and I, I could be wrong, but I don't know. I just believe in Cam Ward and his ability to run that offense and score points more than I do uh, with Wisconsin's defense to not allow him to score points at this point. Yeah. Well, regardless, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a heck of a game and I am I'm pumped up to watch it for sure. All right, Agreed. let's move on to the next one. We've got the Charlotte 49ers at the Maryland Terrapins. This is a 6:30 p.m. game on NBC. Oh. I know it's a whole new world we live in now, John. <laughs> All right, the line is Maryland negative 24 and a half. Uh, Charlotte won last week in a blowout. 24-3 over SC State. They've got 16 transfers in the two deep. So, you know, they obviously gelled a little bit last week. And a question will be how well do they gel this week? They have a decent defense, obviously. They played well last week. And then this is one of those games where we know what Maryland can do at the skill positions. We know about the talent. We know about guys like Roman Hemby and Leah Tugavailoa. Um and it's a matter of I want to see Maryland play better on the offensive line and the defensive line, and this is this will be a good game to see what they can do up front. Yeah, I agree. I think you know I, I'm I have I no doubt Maryland is going to be able to pull out a win in this. In their skill position, you know, players are going to be able to get them all the points they want. But yeah, I want to see the run game. I, I want to yeah. see them establish it. I want to see them push this, uh, you know, defensive line around and see what happens. It's, uh, you know, Mer- uh, Talia is fantastic at slinging the ball and improvising and moving around you know, every which way. Uh, like I said last time, you know, he's sometimes it looks like you're playing NCAA 14, but he, <laughs> he, uh, I want to see him be able to like be comfortable in that pocket and not have to improvise. Yeah, exactly. I want to see the O-line really do something for him and make it easy for him this week. Mm-hmm. And I think they do. So I've got I don't I don't have a ton to say about this game, John. You have anything else? You No, I don't. No, I ex- I expect a solid performance by Maryland. I really do. I think it'll Same. be fun. I've got Maryland 38, Charlotte 13. I have Maryland 42 and Charlotte 17. All right. Awesome. All right, let's move on to our next game. The Eastern Michigan Eagles visit the Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on the Big Ten Network. The line is Minnesota by 20 and a half points. Eastern Michigan won big last week and had two special teams touchdowns, but they also gave up over 400 yards of offense to Howard. Uh, Eastern Michigan's a very solid program. They've had a lot of success the last few years, including their first ever, I believe, nine-win season last year. And on the flip side, Minnesota won in um, in cardiac fashion against Nebraska last week, 13-10 uh-huh. on a walk-off field goal. So Minnesota has got to show they can run the ball after struggling last week in the run game. and. Uh, I think my big question for the Gophers is who steps up and running back Sean Tyler. We know is going to get carries, but who is else is it going to be? Is it going to be Darius Taylor? Is it going to be Zach Evans? Is it going to be Bryce Williams? Who's going to step up alongside Sean Tyler and make plays? Yeah, I, I need. Yeah, we need to see the run game. 
Like, we need to see the run game. We need to see the run game. We need to see the run game. I expect this to be just that. Um, I don't expect um, Ethan to be slinging it all over the field. I think that PJ is 100% focused on trying to get that run game going. And whoever comes out on top, I personally would like to see Evans, more Evans and more Taylor. Um, I unless I can actually see, um, you know, Tyler pull out some, you know, be able to utilize that, that, that amazing speed he's got. But we, I, to me, I think we need, you need someone who's a little bit more physical. And what I would love to see is if you want to utilize Tyler, let him do like what he does, like let him return kicks, put him on special teams. Yes. I mean, that's what he was so good at last year. What we saw at Western Michigan and let him utilize that. He has give him some space. Cause as of right now, our special teams is as it has been the last seven years and it is rough stuff. So yeah. yeah. Establish the one off off field goal, notwithstanding. Well, yes. Okay. Fair. <laughs> Highlight. <laughs> Highlight of the last seven years right there. That was, yeah. that was <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think Minnesota's first, second and third priority in this game is to establish the run. I think they need to figure out what their best five on the offensive line is and stick to it. Yes. Um, and just go with that. Because, that. you know, it's an interesting week this week. We've got Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, who we all, and I guess Maryland, who we all want to see show up and prove that they can run the ball. Yeah. We need to see those offensive lines start to gel. And if, you know, if they don't, then that's going to be problematic. I think against Eastern, Eastern Michigan, you know, we should be fine. Um, We just, you know, drag on Kessage has to just kick that ball into the end zone every single time. Um, (laughs) And they shouldn't be able to score points then. I think we'll be fine Um, as long as we do that. Yeah, I uh, think, um, you know, Eastern Michigan does have a really good running back in Samson Evans. mm. You know, he's kind of like uh, he's a he's a power back and he's got good contact balance. He gets a lot of yards after contact. You know, he's a really, really good player. And I think, you know, stopping Eastern Michigan is going to come down to stopping Samson Evans. Yeah. And Joe Rossi defenses historically are really good at stopping the run. And I think the the key to this game, on you know, it's I know we're talking Big Ten football and this is going to sound real cliche and old school, but Minnesota has got to stop the run. Minnesota has got to run the ball. That's it. And that's what they have to do this week. And then in, in the passing game, because obviously we want to see growth in the passing game still. Um, you know, Ethan Kaliak mass had a decent showing last week, but he made a couple bad decisions and he threw one absolutely terrible pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, just an egregious pick. And so I want to see if he can avoid those big mistakes this week and really manage the offense and make the right decision, uh, you know, consistently. Yeah. And I, I really, I want to see that giant freak of a man brevin spanford just carry six defenders into the end zone at least two to three times in this game that's what two i want to call for two to three touchdowns that's that's bold <laughs> but i think that speaks to what we're saying we think uh the tight ends sometimes don't get as many targets as they should get and i think yeah. you know as good as brevin spanford is i mean i think 
Corey Crooms and Daniel Jackson played well last week, but as yeah. good as Brevin Spanford is, he needs more tar- targets because he is six, seven, two, seven, 170 pounds. And he's just a matchup nightmare for everybody. Yep. With like, what, what are we doing? If like not using him at all, I don't understand. And I felt the same way last year too. You know, I, he's just been, he had a, he had, he had a, he had a good, he had a pretty prolific season last he year. Had a good season, but I just still, I, this is just so you're me. saying you still feel like there's meat on the bone. Yeah, I do. I really think so. I, I don't, you know, I, the man is just too good to let slip away. And, and I think we, we just got to use him as much as we can while he's here. And that's just me. Yeah. I'm just, I know it's late at night. Cause John's waxing philosophical about tight ends. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, it is. It is very late. And I, I, I am trying to just get, yeah, get through this and, I'm starting to mumble, so yeah, uh, go on. Well, hey, <laughs> let's move on then. I think we can call this game. I have Minnesota Golden Gophers 31, the Eastern Michigan Eagles 9. I have the Minnesota Golden Gophers at 35 and the Eastern Michigan Eagles at 13. All right. So we both got a both got a cover there. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to our last game, game 14 of the night. I be, at least I believe this is the last game. You can correct me if I'm wrong. We've got the Temple Owls at the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. This is a 6:30 p.m. game also on the Big 10 network. The line is Rutgers negative 9. Uh Rutgers beat Temple 16-14 last season. This is a good barometer to see if Rutgers has improved by if they can, you know, be a little stronger even against temple this year than they were last year uh by contrast temple barely beat akron in week one and they did not look great doing it whereas mm-hmm. rutgers played really well against northwestern and what was a big i thought big win for the program last week yeah yeah and i thought you know i, I i'm a little high i'm not like super high on rutgers but i'm a little higher on them this year i think yeah. they they have some ability to, to have some levels of success here. And I, I just got a sneaking feeling they, they might actually go bowling. I think their defense is going to help them in some games and, and carry them through. I really do. And Gavin Wimsett is, I think he's going to keep getting better. I really do. If he can stay healthy, there's potential there. He really grew between last year and this year. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can see that last, he had a command of the offense last week. He knew what he wanted to do. He knew what to get his team into and out of. And he threw the ball a little better than he has in the past. Yeah. So that totally. was good to see that kind of progress. Yeah. Um, Temple has a decent quarterback. And I guess my question is, can Rutgers run the ball effectively? They ran it last week. And then I think turnovers are going to be big in this game. Mm-hmm. You know, Rutgers does not have a lot of margin for error still, I believe. You know, they kind of depend on those long, um, on those long protracted drives and they kind of need to put together, you know, nine, 10, 12 play drives. So they need to avoid turnovers and, uh, and win that margin. If they're going to win this game, I think, uh, what yeah. do you think, John, how are you seeing this? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and I really, I want to keep seeing Wimsat get into the, get into a groove. I, I want to see him just really get a nice flow and just smooth things out even more so this year, uh, this this game, and and just let him get comfortable, man. Just continue to let him get comfortable in that pocket, 
and get him that experience. And I think this is a great game for him to get get that. And I don't think it should be a problem. I mean, I believe Temple just kind of snuck by Akron, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. These are the kind of games. Yes, that is true. They they snuck by they snuck by Akron. These are the kind of games in the past where Kirk Soraka would call inside zone 35 times. I don't think that's going to work. I, I think he's going to have to find a better balance and find a way to hit uh, to hit passes and get and like you said, get Gavin Wimsat in a rhythm a little bit. And that is always an interesting thing that you may or may not see because it is Kirk Soraka. So yes, yeah. all right john are you ready to make a pick in this game yeah yes i am all right i have the rutgers scarlet knights 24 the temple owls 13 i have the rutgers scarlet knights at 28 and the temple owls at 10 awesome all right well there it is I'm excited for week two, John. I can't, I can't wait to get out there and watch some football this weekend. Me too, man. Uh, it's going to be so nice just sitting on the couch and just staring at that TV all day. It's yep. my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I will be sitting at the, at the watching TV until I go to the game and then I'll awesome. come home and watch more TV. <laughs> <laughs> all well, right. Well, Thank you for joining us today. We will be back on Sunday to review all of the week two games for We Live for Saturday. This is Mike and John. John. All right. Have a great uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Have a good night.